Hey all, I'm Thomas. And I'm Taylor. And welcome to Third Rail, where we discuss everything from design technology and languages to woodworking, travel, books, and culture. We are clearly in over our heads, so we limit ourselves to three topics per week that interest us. We pull the first two topics from a bank of our shared interests. The third topic is almost always from left field and can be just about anything. This week, we're bringing on our friend Patrick to talk about sailing. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the third for rail. For the third rail. How are you today, Taylor? And welcome to Patrick. Welcome to Patrick. How are you, Patrick? <laughs> Patrick. I'm all right. It was a busy weekend, Mother's Day. Hectic. Oh. Yeah, shout out to Mother's Day. Yeah. All the mothers out there. Shout mm. out to not calling my mother until 5 p.m. Oh, man. Maybe that's a responsible thing to do. On a Mother's Day, you never want to wake her up early, right? That's true. She deserves the, the rest. <laughs> It's, it's thoughtfulness, right? Yeah, pure, you could look at it that way. Nice. It's pure planning. It's raining. A lot. But mm-hmm. We were going to open the window, but closed it down. So The birds were nice, but the cars. Yeah. <laughs> How are okay. you? Usually with guests, we're glad you could come on. Usually with guests, there's a small introduction. If you want to say anything about yourself, you could claim yourself to be anything Mm. and then we kind of just go into your topic your topic i'll allow people to create their own perception of oh who i am and what i do oh good we'll leave that open to interpretation please tweet at us uh thoughts about patrick's physical appearance based on his topic (laughs) (laughs) sketch artists we welcome that'd be really interesting yeah that would be it'd be good study Yes, maybe maybe we won't post your photo then. Maybe if you're, well, we'll discuss that later. So so we've we brought on a lot of different guests and we've talked about um, writing, architecture, amateur radio operating, and this week we're talking about sailing. Mm. Interesting. And Great pastime. Why? So did you just kind of pick this up in the last week and wanted to tell us about it, or? So, <laughs> I guess for a brief introduction of uh, how long I've been doing it, so. My dad knew a guy um, who was his college roommate, and then his roommate went on to do um, some pretty big stuff with the Chicago Yacht Club, and they have a summer camp every year. Mm-hmm. So when I was pretty young, we he got me into the summer camp there, and it was you know different size boats for you know how many kids are going to be inside of them or how old they are. Uh, the sail area varies based on you know like how strong a person is. Um, so I started out on really tiny boats and worked my way up to. Uh, the 420, which is called a 420 because it's 420 centimeters long. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the the boat that everybody basically races. So mm-hmm. you race that in high school, colleges race that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing it now for, God, something like 13 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. So we have a little more information about Patrick. File that away. I am... <laughs> I have like webbed fingers, like Waterworld. <laughs> you, you really? Shout no. out to okay. Waterworld. You're the yeah. only person outside of my family that's seen that movie. So I've seen it. It's interesting. So the it's single, right? Mm. All the way up to the 420. Yeah. So you you start off. There are a couple of different sizes. They have like a pram, which is literally just in your head. Imagine like one of those porcelain bathtubs with like gold feet on it that you see in cartoons. Yeah. With a post sticking up out of the drain. Mm-hmm. And then it has like a bed sheet on it. That's a pram. Okay. And then they have optimists, which are 
those with a little less fiberglass on them. And that's what like people from the ages of six to 12 mm. race. And then above that you have 420s and lasers. Those are like the dinghy class mm. race boat. Um, and then above that there's like a 470 or you get like catamarans, you know, like if anybody talks about a Hobie, that's, that's what they're talking about. It's a, it's a multi-hole boat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, so it has like a netting in between it. Right, and then the right. yeah. pontoon. Yeah, you can get trimorans, pontoon boats, or another multi-hull boat, but n not sailing. Yeah, not sailing. <laughs> um, Partying. And, and then bigger than that, you know, you have you have some crazy, crazy contraptions that everybody puts together. The, the ones that you want to know, though, are like the AC-70s, mm -hmm. which are what they race for the America's Cup. Mm -hmm. So those are like the they're catamarans, right, and they have giant carbon yeah. fiber masts that stick up out of the center of them. Cool mm. cool technology. I can mm. I can jump into that. So, so before not getting ahead of ourselves, but how much how important is the quality of the boat compared to winning races? Mm. Talk about carbon fiber versus maybe some more traditional like the fiberglass. I don't know if that's the Yeah, that that's always the big question out there on the right. water is how much is it worth it to spend the money to get this beautiful piece of equipment if you don't have the skill to operate it? Right. Right. How much does skill matter over the tool you're using? It's a cameraman. Mm. It's tough. Um, With a lot of hobbies, a lot of hobbies that comes up. I, I personally believe that the equipment does make a difference, but I don't go ever out of my way to buy it. Yeah. So if it's around, I'll use it, but I'll train on anything that floats. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel. And, and what is your boat? You have your own personal boat? I do not. Mm -hmm. So not yet. Here at the University of, of Kansas, um, the sailing team, which I, I guess I'm the president of, so there's another fact. Um, <laughs> yeah. Put it in the notes. Slow down. <laughs> um, the uh, we have four twenties. We have ten of them, and we have three lasers. Mm -hmm. So I don't own. I don't personally own a boat, but that's what I sail while I'm around. And then when I go back to Chicago, I'll crew on a larger boat called a Far 40, and that's 40 feet long, and it's a racing class mm -hmm. boat. Mm. How many people on that one? Mm. Anywhere six. from 6 to 10. Oh, yeah. Nice. You can put people in the back, but you don't want extra weight. There's like an optimal mm. weight for all right. of the crew together. And then the last side, all the way up to the racing, the cup, mm -hmm. is that 6 to 10, or does that go even to like... It, there's so many in there, like getting into the distinction is, is kind of difficult. Okay. So, yeah, I could, you could have like a Wikipedia list, like mm -hmm. 200 different classes long, just mm -hmm. for like 40 to 50 feet. Because, hmm. yeah, it's crazy. So cool. why are you interested in sailing? And kind of, I guess you, you must have kind of gone into the history and learned a lot about the origins of sailing and how important it was. And mm, so... I guess the thing that got me from the start was I like being on the water. Mm. Just rather than like driving a car, uh, you have complete freedom of direction with anything you want to do. Right. More than that, like when you think about sailing as like a competition or a sport, mm. um, there's a lot of thought involved versus just like the physical activity, which there's still a significant amount of. So it's like playing chess while going for a jog. So it's... Mm -hmm. it's it's like a it's a weird combination but um i feel like it it's working like every, all parts of my body at the same time mm. you know especially the the mental aspect of it yeah you're thinking ahead about 
where wind is going to be on the water and how you're going to have to generate more lift compared to other boats, how to optimize like the setup of your rig while you're on the water, tactics about how the rules of racing, whether a boat's on port or starboard, has rights over another boat, right? So if, if there's an intersection that's going to happen later in the race, you have to outthink your opponent hmm. on where you're going to be placed, hmm. whether you're going to be windward or leeward of someone else and block their wind on the way upwind or downwind, right? Because you can go upwind um, round a mark and then come back down towards a, a finish line. But if the person behind you gets in front of your wind, right? Like even if you're in the lead, they have a way to overtake you. Hmm. Right. You know, so it's, it's all of this like crazy stuff going on. At the same time, you're like fighting the elements with your body. Hmm. You know, like one time I was out there in January and there were like literally ice shards flying up at your hands <laughs> and like giving you cuts. Hmm. It's nuts. It's interesting the scale too, because like all these, a lot of these terms that are very old and sailing's very old. That it's like the sense of scale you scale up. So like, I don't know. That's a really fascinating thing to me. Is like the same. Um, there's your general rules of sailing, but then like you can have crazy kind of like I guess buildings is. Yeah, it's. Um, or cars, a truck, you know, like. Um, so- so I mean, you just threw out like twelve yeah. sailing jargon words, and right. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar. So you want me to catch up a little bit? No, I mean, I just it's just <laughs> well, I, I do that, um, unfortunately. So um, I just I'd like to hear just your general breakdown of going out and then coming back or something. Yeah, quickly maybe. Yeah. So um, I guess the first thing to to think about on a sailboat, right, is. Uh, one of, one of the biggest things that like changed throughout like history, but also like the thing that most people don't understand before they get on the water is that the wind blows in, in like a, a pretty constant direction, mm. right? So when, when people think about sailing, there's only one sort of physical interaction that they're thinking of, and it's that the wind is pushing the boat, right? Right. Mm. So, and, and for a long time, that's, that's kind of how sailboats operated. But um, as we know, airplanes can generate lift, right? Mm -hmm. And move upwards or downwards in relationship to the ground, the same way that a sailboat can move towards or away from the direction of the wind, Mm. right? So there's this like really interesting, complicated path that you have to take in order to maneuver yourself closer to the wind, right? So you you can only go 45 degrees to either side or the direction of the wind so that you can still generate lift, mm. right? And at the same time, that works with, um, if you guys have ever heard the term keel for mm. a sailboat, mm-hmm. right? The keel is the, the weighted part that sticks down below the hull and it's, right. it's underwater. That keel works as like a resistive force to the water. So mm. the, the entire side of the boat gets pushed by the wind, but the keel holds it in place. Mm. And then you leverage your body weight over the side of the boat to keep it flat, mm-hmm. right? Because just those two forces together create moment, right? And it wants to flip the boat over. So you're leaning over the side of the boat. Towards the wind in order to keep it flat. Hmm. Yeah. And all three of those, those forces together, right? You have your hydrodynamics on the bottom. You have your aerodynamics on the top. And you have your torque that you apply, hmm. right? Create this thing called the center of effort. And hmm. as long as that's like organized in the boat towards towards the center of the boat, right? You're going to move forward, right? In a, in a linear direction. And you can only generate that if you're 45 degrees away from the wind, 
the closer you get, you can't continue to generate it, the aerodynamic force. Your, your sail can't continue to keep its rigid shape. Mm. So it just flaps like a flag. Mm-hmm. And then you just get blown backwards. So when you're out there, you're thinking about like, okay, how do I optimize how far in or out the, the sail is trimmed so that I can you know, make this angle more efficient so I can move forward more quickly? Hmm. So sail manipulation. Exactly. Yeah, and there's lots of different like things you got to watch out for. How, how tight the sail is on the boat versus how loose. That changes based on wind speed, right? Hmm. Um, on like a light wind day, uh, a flatter sail will give you more power than like a baggy one, right? Or on a heavy wind day, you can depower your sail by making it flat, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have as much depth to it, so you're not overpowered while well, on the water. You were talking about trimming, but what, what does trimming mean? Trimming is raising and lowering the sail? Or? So, yeah, sorry, I'm just using words. <laughs> That's good. Um, the uh, so the the mast exists in the center of the sailboat, mm-hmm. right? And then off of the mast you have the boom, mm-hmm. okay? And that's this this metal pole that can hit you in the head, and making right yeah, the boom noise. Around. Yeah, so that's attached to the bottom of your sail, okay? And there there are a bunch of different types of sails, but I'm talking about just like a, the main sail on a 420 or on a laser, okay? And these these have two rigid axes that they're attached to, so so the boom can rotate in. From, from unlike the center line of the boat, it can rotate to the center line mm-hmm. or away from the center line, opposite the direction of the wind, mm-hmm. right? So the, the wind blows it in whatever direction like it's going. Mm-hmm. So trimming the sail is, is essentially just pulling the sail back in or letting it out mm-hmm. in relationship to the center line of the boat. So when you're going 45 degrees in relationship to the wind, right, which we call a close haul, you want your sail all the way in so that it's perfectly like in line with your centerboard and you can generate the most lift possible. Right. Whereas if you're reaching, which is more like 90 degrees to the wind, right, perpendicular, yeah. you're going to want your sail halfway out. And then mm. the more conventional way that everybody thinks about the sport, if you're going the same direction as the wind, you're going to just let your sails all the way out and it can push you. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be perfectly perpendicular to the center line of your boat. So when you have, because at its most basic level, you have a, an object that has this thing sticking out of it with wind blowing into it that's pushing you forward. It seems to me like it would kind of it, just topple over, you know, or yeah. flare up. I don't, I don't and, know. and that's where like the physical exertion that I'm talking about like comes into it. So there are these straps that run through the center line of your boat and there's the edge of your boat. And then there's you. Yeah. So you're constantly like, Literally, it, the, the edge of the boat's under, under your hamstring, right? And the strap's under your toe. And then the rest of your body's cantilevered over the side trying to keep the thing flat, depending on how windy it is, mm-hmm. right? So it's just like this crazy ab workout. Right. Yeah. And I've been out on a boat, a, catamar- a catamaran in Florida, mm-hmm. with multiple people. And we, you know, you don't have to shift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's really windy. It's crazy. There's, um, there's this thing called trapezing you can do where you literally hook your like your life jacket into a harness mm. and it, it's suspended from a, a point on the top of the mast and you're literally just yeah. hanging your body like dead weight off the side of the boat in order to keep it flat and mm. crazier conditions mm-hmm. like right? windsurfing or something yeah like or like kiteboarding i yeah, guess yeah, yeah. is the most comparable example mm. yeah but 
it gets even more nuts when you think about that if the wind speed increases, so does the amount of waves or chop on the water. Right. So you're mm -hmm. balancing with your feet on the side of this boat without anything in mm -hmm. your hands and just a harness, mm -hmm. right? And the boat's bouncing up and down, trying to knock you off. You ever, you ever knock, been knocked off? Oh, yeah. It's, so what's that, what's that kind of... I mean, that's the thing about sailing. It's like wakeboarding or tubing or something like that. If you fall off, you just go in the water. Right. Right. And then your boat goes away or Well <laughs> Oh, no, you get a strap, man, like surfing. <laughs> hopefully someone's someone's in it, but you if you're not in the boat, it's highly probable that the boat just tips over. Oh, know, okay. Right. The the thing you have to worry about though is like on those weighted keel boats, right? Um, the boat will just continue sailing. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get lost at sea. Right. Yeah. That's a problem. It can be bad. But in general, if you're sailing on something of that size, you're always tied in. Mm -hmm. So you also always have a knife on you in case that boat does flip over and you can just cut yourself out. Right. Yeah. So quickly, surfing is, well, it's dealing with slightly different conditions with water, but it has, you have similar weight distribution and rolling. Thinking, yeah, I guess um, it's actually, you, you do use surfing techniques while you're sailing too. Mm -hmm. So... Um, when you're trying to go upwind, right, and the waves are coming in the same direction of the wind, you have to balance the boat by moving your mast forward or backwards, depending on where you are going over that wave, hmm. right? So it's, and actually you don't need a, a rudder in a sailboat. They, they always have them, but you, you don't necessarily need it. As long as you distribute the weight properly in the sailboat, you can steer it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so if you overcompensate on the side of the wind, just, right, yeah. it turns the boat away. Hmm. If the wind's coming, you know, down the, the race right. course and you're on like the right hand side, if you put your weight on the right hand side, you'll turn left. Right. And so, so I, and my only experience with boats has been kayaks, canoes, that hmm. kind of thing. But I guess the benefits of sailing versus a rowboat, is it easier to do longer voyages without exerting yourself or you know that i mean why why is sailing even a thing why not just use oars all the time yeah so that was actually the um the the thing that got me interested in like doing a reel on this so it's there's some interesting information in the history of sailboats as how like transportation evolved mm -hmm. right so like the the earliest thing the earliest representation of a sailboat they ever found was like 5500 BC, mm -hmm. right? And it was just like a cave drawing or something, a painting on a shell or something like that. Um, and at that time, you know, they're, they're just using these downwind principles where, where the boat's just being pushed, mm -hmm. right? That, that physical interaction of lift really hadn't been figured out at that point. It, it wasn't conceived until like the 13th century, really. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of argument over that, though. So, but in general, um, you, you had these these maps of wind charts, right, on mm -hmm. where predominant directional wind would be. So you can navigate the ocean based on playing the wind's direction, hmm. right? So if you wanted to go from one point to another, you were worried about prevailing breeze. So, and that, that was how, like, the, the Phoenicians and the Egyptians navigated, you know, everywhere. They had a map of the Mediterranean wind yeah. and when it would be... Like if you see um, Pirates of the Caribbean and they're talking about mm -hmm. the winds in our favor, says I, you know, like they're talking about, okay, well, we can go where we want to now, right? The the advent of a ship that could turn the the sail 180 degrees hadn't 
been thought out yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you see like a, a Viking ship, mm-hmm. right, they still have oars on them. Right. Right. They had they had slots where they had an entire crew that could just row the boat in the direction that they wanted to so they could get to land, kill anybody there. Yeah. Right? Achilles and his Bermudan. <laughs> He's gonna take it to the beaches of Troy with thirty men. Yeah. Anyway, and then they and then they turn the boat around and they run away with the oars, which wouldn't have been an opportunity for people without that technology. Right. So it wasn't until the 13th century where sailing really became a like sailing, I guess, totally wind operated form of transportation, mm. right? Like people like had had thought out lift before, but it hadn't been implemented on like these big ships until that point or at least that's what my research has, has told me so so you, you got this keel and that's a fixed thing you mm-hmm. can't it's not like you have um one of the, the wheels and-, and that that was the other thing until upwind sailing had had been like thought out keels weren't part of the sailboat right you have just a, a low center of weight that's below the water line mm-hmm. right in these big ships they're just weighted down with rocks you know, so it's it's just a push mechanism, and you had a rudder on the back that could pivot and, and steer them. So then the, the 13th century rolls around, and you have people and thinkers, right, all in the same place, and, and knowledge sort of comes back together. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Drink break. Um, and, and people begin to think out this, this idea of lift. You know, you had Leonardo da Vinci thinking about these flying machines. Right. Right, like his, his early helicopter bike thing or, or whatever. And maybe there is some Assassin's Creed stuff in there too, but mm-hmm. who really knows anymore? <laughs> so do you have a rudder on your ship? Yes. Okay. Yes. How do you control the rudder? You have... The rudder is, is just, it's, it's fixed like a door hinge. Mm-hmm. And then on, on the opposite side, it has like a, a piece of wood or metal or carbon fiber or whatever. Um, that turns it on the hinge. So you're kind of leaning back and yeah. doing one of these things? Yeah, while you're pulling on a line with your other hand. Mm. Yeah, so one hand controls the, the tiller in the back or the rudder, and the other hand controls the line hmm. that you're pulling on. It's a pretty hectic mess. So um, I guess to, to finish up the, the history there, um, you, you have these boats that can finally make longer voyages, right? And then all of a sudden, all of this crazy conquering starts happening. Yeah. And these crazy, it, like, imperialism movements in, in the governments of these countries that have this technology. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, like, trade just blows up. You know, it, it's not exactly a coincidence. It's, it's when all of these things started to happen together. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, the technology you, was... It, I mean, it's important. You know, mm-hmm. it, it existed before that, but, like... You need thinkers, and you also need them to implement it. Right. You know, so, like, ideas have been around forever, but for some reason, people just seem to be able to forget the most important things <laughs> on, yeah. the, on the grandest scale. One thing that always interests me with, like, trade routes, and whether it's caravans on, on land or by sea, like, you need, you need, you do need this, the, the fast ships that can actually deliver goods back and forth quickly, but then you also need enough cargo space and then you also need protection from mm-hmm. pirates and so there's all these different scales you have to think about you can't just get the biggest ship without any defense right or the fastest ship because then you can't carry as much i don't know well gonna... it's yeah it's this weird 
I mean, it's even more of a mess nowadays with yeah. those Somalian pirates. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But um, was that a, a sarcastic statement or is it serious? Well, same problems. The the yeah. scale is different, right? right? It's, it's completely different. But people don't think about it in the same way. You know, you used to think about pirates like looting entire ships and taking yeah. towns and stuff like that. Well, it's kind of still happening. Yeah. You know, but the there's no perception of like this guy with a black beard and a hook for a hand and right. like braids going down the back of his neck. Sure. You know, and for some reason that's just like And if you if you watch Black Sail, have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Or Sales, Black Sales. Michael Bay produced it or something. It's got like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? It's it Transformers it's... in it. <laughs> How much CG <laughs> is there? There's not a lot. It's it's about the pirates pre Oh. Good old Jack Sparrow, I'll like the the pirates that it's like the guy in the business suit that's more creepy than the guy who's mm. in rags, you know. Like it's you, the, you, it's the people that you people don't that know to be scared together in of. their madness. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I, it was it's really it's really awesome. Yeah. But there's like a whole, and that's like what's so fascinating about sailing is the history is that it's it's a technical trade, like. I mean, you could not go out there and... <laughs> and that was that was the thing about, like, people back in the day when sailing was, like, after the 13th century, there were people that were, like, just just sailors. There mm-hmm. were people before that were, that were sailors, but, like, the technical knowledge that you needed to operate a boat, yeah. you know, was, like, relatively low in comparison to after these ships started growing and, like, industrialization happened. Right. You know, you have, like, this thing, like, old old Ironsides, right? right. The USS yeah, yeah. Constitution. And it's just this massive machine that you need a million people to operate, and each one has a very specific job, and they have to know how that job interrelates to everybody else on the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that was, like, the last the last great ship there there was that was made of wood in the same way that everything before it was made after sort of industrialization happened you know everything converts to steam or petroleum based transportation it's it's more mm-hmm. efficient you know mm-hmm. you don't blame them you can you can depend on that versus like how the wind is going to be blowing one day versus right. how it's going to be blowing another mm-hmm. day you could be stopped or you could be mm-hmm. moving like a, a crazy person but yeah. you can't also reach the same speeds and you know, that's just what happens. So you have this um, crazy sort of dynamic after you you create like this technical understanding of upwind sailing and how it interrelates to navigating the waters versus people that are just like pulling on lines, you right. know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Although I would say that people that had those like breeze charts mapped out, like memorized, those were some technically gifted human beings sure well you even be able to map stuff without satellites <sighs> yeah and that's a whole other rail i mean oh, like yeah. absolutely cartography and that stuff's fascinating cartography pre-gps yeah topographical beauty maps. beautiful like like t- like technology that has this whole side of that just like it's beautiful because of what it is. I don't know. They're really fun to look at when mm-hmm. they're like drastically wrong too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Skewed. You, you yeah. see one of the Americas and it's just like New York is blown <laughs> up and like Florida's down. Yeah. You know, just like this little appendage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, also different tools for navigating too, but I'm sure that... Yeah. So we're running low on the rail, but... Did you want to talk just like a few minutes on how you, how some of these kind of ideas translate? To yeah, you? yeah. So 
another um, hint coming from Patrick. Yeah. So the uh, I really liked the history of all of this because it's it's interesting to understand sort of where we've come from and where we are now. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we watch the America's Cup today, we see these giant fiberglass things with they have center boards or keels on the bottom of them, right? And and those have hydrofoils on them, mm-hmm. which means that as the boat moves faster, they're literally just wings that lift the thing out of the water to reduce the amount of drag that's holding it back. Mm. But they're also like seven stories tall. So when they tip over and a guy falls, you know, and they can tip over and guys do fall seven stories to hit the water. Yeah. The guy died last year. It was not good. Mm. Um, Wow. Yeah. They're they're just. They're that tall. And and the sails aren't fabric anymore. They're rigid, right? They're just like a plane's wing stuck up in the middle of two pontoons that are Mm. 70 feet long with netting in between them. Right, and, and they're rigid now because it's A, much more durable, but you can control the wind a lot more efficiently with a rigid material too, hmm. right? So Is it mechanically operated, boom, yeah. and all that? Or yeah. is there people still? No, it's, it's I mean, like, people may use it. I don't think I completely understand you, but it's mechanical parts. It's not like oh, electrical I, motors. Okay, that's what I thought. And people are on board. Okay moving those mechanical parts okay. so there's still rules mm. with all that yeah, yeah you can't i mean it's like you can't have a motor on a sailboat yeah if you're gonna race it so it's a little safer than formula one right? <laughs> so it's like one of the one of these yeah that's that's it because it's 70 wow because that's those amazing. guys when those cars get airborne mm. woo. yeah it's it's insane so it, it's interesting to look at a piece of technology today and think about like the vast history behind it, mm-hmm. you know. And and sailing's like maybe a little behind the the furthest curve, you know. That's that's traveling forward with like, I guess like written the written word might be the the furthest propelled of any of man's like old technologies. Right. You know, you you had like the papyrus or what was even before that. You had like. Babylonian, they pressed sticks into mud. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what did you call that alphabet? I can't think of it. I don't know. Oh. You're not talking about the Rosetta Stone, are you? No, I'm talking about like before the Rosetta Stone. So they just had like a, a dowel, and mm-hmm. they'd press it into this this clay. I can't remember the name of the alphabet. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyways, you go from that to like ink on paper, and mm-hmm. then you go from that to like digital or like a, a typewriter. Mm-hmm. And then you have computers, and then you have like this crazy network we have nowadays yeah. where anybody can send anybody anything. Well, within computers, too, you have like room size, and then you go down to cuneiform, you know, yeah. cuneiform, yeah. closet size, and then you go down to desk size, and now we're in tablet. You know, like right. within each of these categories, you have then. Well, it's interesting to think about, like, especially those those really ancient technologies yeah you know like when when i'm thinking about um like the, the knife is like one of the, like those those tools that's like everybody's had it since the dawn of time you know well where's it gonna go right and i mean hopefully like a lightsaber or something <laughs> But maybe that's just a, a dream. Uh, he wants to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> maybe that's a dream for the future that, that may never happen, you know? Yeah. Or like um, fire. You know, it's like one of those just really quintessentially, like mm. you think of 2001 A Space Odyssey's just mm. monkeys 
bouncing around in front of a giant stone obelisk and yeah. the next thing you're thinking oh they're gonna have fire yeah well i even think like how can you improve singing singing's been around for however many years or, or guitars or then harps and drums all these things i mean the electric guitar is, is a huge advancement in i don't know all of these different instruments and things mm-hmm. like that yeah, it's. Have you seen the the piano? I think it's on on the verge where it's like a it's it's multiple axes of, of sound, mm-hmm. so it's got a rubber surface instead of a, a key input. And yeah. if you if you play one note, but you hold it down and slide it up, the the like axis of, of the keyboard, instead of having it like be a bunch of different notes, it actually like acts like a whammy bar on mm. a guitar. Hmm. So it'll go up and down. And is it sort of, digital or is it? Yeah, that... it's completely digital in touch. Huh. Mm. Yeah, it's nuts. It's cool. Crazy. But, and, it, and especially these things, like, just visually, like, looking at them, you know, and, and seeing just, like, how they've evolved. It's just, mm. it's nuts. And that's, that's why I like the, the history boats for that, True. you know? So it's, like, something big enough where you can understand, like, how the parts interrelate. And then as those parts change material or change size or, hmm. you know, like relationship to each other, mm-hmm. you know, you can understand a lot more about the societies that used those things. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, Port and Starbird, right? I think I said that earlier. Well, the original reason Port and Starbird occurred was because the rudder wasn't along the center line of a boat like it is today. It used to be on the right-hand side mm-hmm. and it used to have a star on it. Those idiots. Well... Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of like dumb when you think about it today. Like, yeah. how do you actually turn something? And then yeah. the reason it was called port was because they always had to dock the boats to the left-hand side. Mm. Right? So you had a side with a, a starboard mm. on it and then port. But, like, I don't know. It's nuts. Yeah. And and those things still are around today, like, ingrained in what we're teaching sure. kids sailing, you know, yeah. tomorrow. Shout out to Mike Fink, a riverboat captain. <laughs> We're talking about boats. I got shout, shout out to about. Mark Twain because he's Twain. Cool sure, yeah. Steamboats. Steamboat captain. All kinds of boats. That was a lot about boats, you guys. It was. It was good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, what if we took the sailboats and put them into water? What? What? <laughs> My segues have never been very good, but... Oh. Yeah. Do you want to do the intro? And then the boats say, this is water. This is water. Oh. Yum. (laughs) Yummy. Um, This is third rail. Yeah, I guess we're moving on third rail. Thanks for that juicy information about boats. I think you could come on again and we could just keep going. It's good. That could be... Yeah, that could be a long talk. For sure. You guys got to shut me down before I get too far into things. Yeah, we're too far anyway, but we're going for third rail. Third rail. This one we um, was originally going to be a rail that I was going to do, but now we're turning into a third rail. And this is David Foster Wallace. He was a modern-day writer, and he um, killed himself. Well, yeah, he committed suicide, I believe, in the late 2000s. And uh, he did a commencement speech that's on the Internet that I've come across a few times and came across it again. It's kind of weird how that happens on the Internet as you just come across things again. But, like, 
um, kind of a deja vu thing. But this one is basically his commencement speech. I'm not sure which university it was at, but it was a liberal arts college, and there was just some lasting quotes on there that um, he, he speaks about uh, to the undergraduates and what kind of that lasting advice and I, regardless of how I feel about like it being like the next chapter like I feel like that's sometimes that's a little like it's for people who like to say that but um, I think that he had some things that held water and, oh. and it's hmm. and it's coming at a, at a good time as a we prepare to graduate time. Yeah, this Friday yeah, both of you guys are done after this right yes yeah, Good God. Completely finished. With what we've accomplished. So, so it's a commencement speech, a far cry from the usual optimistic commencement commencement speech that says you're going to succeed and everything's going to be great, no problems will arise. Yeah. You've done it. You've made it. I'd highly recommend to listen to this because we're not going to do it justice at all in the few minutes we'll talk about it. But basically, he, he brings up these interesting... Um, ideas about um, kind of this this world that we assume that a lot of us will be working in and that our parents work in and I think it's pretty geared towards a American um, office working population and so he, he kind of gets into the minutia of um, the you know, the choices that we make and what we choose to think about, um, the place that we are in this world, like, you know, being the absolute center of the universe. Um, and so I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I've come around to this idea a few years ago and just like understanding that. And it's kind of like the age old thing of like, you don't really know how to treat service or like people at a restaurant until you've like worked a job like that. Like you don't truly understand what it takes or what they're going through when you're yelling at them because your cheese puff seven showed up as your appetizer yet, you know, like so there's that there's Where that. where are you going that you get cheese puffs as an appetizer? Oh <laughs> Where am I not going? Cheese puffs. Yeah. You guys are making me hungry. We just ate though. I know. My food took forever. So I don't I mean, I know that Pat's Patrick has, um, maybe he's heard of him before, but didn't get a chance to listen to it. But Thomas has listened to it. And he, this guy is, I mean, he's just like, he won't, he's one of those people that just like says what's on his mind and it just like makes sense. I don't, I don't know. So having not heard it, and this will kind of be like my reaction to your commentary, what's something that like stands out? When, when, like, what's the most standout or, like, characteristic thing from, from this commencement speech that you think, like, is going to stick with you or is, like, the best commentary on anything that you, you, um, you think about now, like, finishing school? The biggest thing that it that reinforced for me was, was this idea of being open um, and... And constantly being able to shift and choose differently and and not feel like you are you are so you, there's this like this force that is outside of who you are um, 
and that you also understand that this it's not just you who you know goes to the grocery store and like gets green beans you know like you have to think of the you know how the green beans got there you know how many like, millions of green beans are sold <laughs> yeah where they were sold i mean there's a lot of questions that are they being used for ice packs or people <laughs> eating them well our right. world now that a lot of things at least in our immediate world that are mm. questionable like what thing where the source of things come from right um, um who's you know why you make decisions and i think that that's he's trying to get at some of these very deep questions and he was like you know the most obvious important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see or talk about so is it did he get into like and i, I think you kind of said it where the decisions that like impact us the most are the ones that we continually make every single day of our lives, right? Like deciding to continue to be entrenched in, in the job that we're doing. Or like, was it more along the lines of sort of be open to the opportunities that are going to be presented to you? I, I don't think. Um, Maybe both of those are just shots in the dark that I didn't understand. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's interesting. I, I guess for me, it was, it's the, it was this awareness that we aren't, so we aren't finished like the getting the diploma, getting the degree doesn't mean we're done. Doesn't mean we've really achieved yeah. all that much. He was talking really about, um, this is a good quote that Taylor wrote down. Learning how to think really means learning how to exercise some control over how and what you think. It means being conscious and aware enough to choose what you pay attention to and to choose how you construct meaning. And, and he was kind of making a jab at the liberal arts education and just saying, you've paid all this money to learn how to think, but really we're learning how to think like every day and we're challenging our ways of thinking and our entire perception and, and like way of life based on all of the experiences that we have every day. So education, not just as, that. as something you, you pay for during a certain period of your life, but as like right. the experiences you gain collectively throughout your everyday. And I think that really ties into architecture because you don't get your degree and you're, and you're done learning. Right. You're learning for the rest of your life and you're, you're always like challenging your ideals and thought processes and skills. I hope you are. Otherwise, that's a pretty boring life. Yeah, absolutely. That's the life that a lot of people live though. Like, yeah. it's speaking tough. into reality. But yeah, like in the every situation and he then he goes on to explain these like situations of being in a grocery store like line and and being uh, stuck in traffic on the highway and and some of it starts to stray from like what he's trying to mean but i think it's important for a commencement speech like to to bring it to a reality that a lot of people in the audience experience so hmm. what i really like about david foster wallace is he has this element of he's human and he comes across very human, mm. and and um, he has a great interview with Charlie Charlie Rose where he's self conscious of his appearance, and he's like, I don't want, I didn't want to come on because I didn't want people to look at me and judge me. And like, he, he was is very, he's not like up on a pedestal. He's just a normal guy that has a really interesting way of saying and putting things. The the Sia of commencement speech <laughs> people. He's also on the side of like the reality. Um, and you could argue this could be more personal for me, but like there are people that either choose or don't live in reality. And like he fully understands like how fucked up it is of a lobster uh, festival. Have you read that piece? He did mm -hmm. this piece about the annual 
either it's, I don't know if it's Massachusetts, somewhere in the Cape Cod, I think there's a lobster festival where they, like, they, they like, kill a jillion lobsters in one weekend. And he, like, went out to do a news story piece on it. And oh he, like, God. put out this piece about how, like, crazy it is. And I don't know, I'm not sure if he was, like, vegetarian or... But just things like that where it's, like, you just being conscious of, like, how screwed up certain things are and, and how humans as a force, enough humans can make change or they can fuck shit up, you know? It's Taking like, it extreme, but, like... It's like the John Oliver, like, have you seen the one where he does the, the church where he he like he, the the phone church basically where he mm-hmm. dials up asks for donations so that oh, he can plant the seed one. of God and yeah he like got like fifty thousand dollars like overnight <laughs> for people that are even just thinking about this as a joke yeah you know like it's nuts to think how just like the the little raindrop decisions can still mm-hmm. spill into like an ocean mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and so it just his. And he doesn't back off, and, and that's... I mean, the Charlie Rose thing was great. And he the, constantly, the whole time, he... And you can tell he he's such a complex person. You know, he's constantly, like, fixing himself and, like, being, you know, throwing out these crazy ideas, but at the same time, he's just, like, such this conscious, yep. nervous person. So, I don't know. Shout-out to Conan O'Brien's Dartmouth commencement speech which is also <laughs> really awesome oh and the steve jobs one steve jobs one is okay I'm not a big fan okay. i like will, will ferrell's harvard one from oh three or something is really you good. thought that was better than the steve jobs one absolutely did you guys okay. see the the colbert wake forest one yeah, yeah. i saw that one. Oh, so good that one's really good i think john i don't know if john stewart did one too i just like the mad max reference <laughs> i don't even i it's been a few. You go start going down the YouTube commencement speech hole. So Rice University, the centennial uh, commencement speech, maybe it's just a lecture series with Chief Justice John Roberts. Great, great content. You watched it. <laughs> you listened to it. Thomas was dipping into lecture series on YouTube. and Supreme Courts, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. Well, I think we're we're kind of running low. We were aiming for thirty minutes, and we're at forty-seven. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it was good. That's good stuff. Any uh, closing thoughts from your end, there, Pat? Nothing can prepare you for how orange the room is. <laughs> we're in the third rail studios. Third it, rail sound studios it is, is the color of the backdrop for all of the profile photos <laughs> on all of the social media. Shh. Nothing can prepare you. It is is much more vivid in person. Yeah. Also, um, for anybody out there looking for third rail sounds, congrats, you found us. There are a million <laughs> online profiles on SoundCloud called Third Rail. Yeah. It is like searching through an ocean for water. <laughs> That's why we have 16 other social media outlets that we're spewing yeah. out. <laughs> name change, name change. Come on, maybe. Oh, I hope not. Third rail is pretty, it's pretty catchy. Third Rail. Thanks for listening to another episode of Third Rail. Okay, we'll do that real quick. Thanks for coming on, Pat. Really appreciate it. I'll cut that <laughs> don't out. Don't cut that I'll out. I'll cut that don't. out. Please oh, don't. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. Yeah, I really, really appreciated it. Patrick oh, sh- Griffin. Oh, shucks, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Getting you're, all sappy right at the end of the episode. You're welcome to come on anytime. Mm. Except if we're in the same state or country. 
depending on where Thomas will be in the next few third, months. Third rail goes to New York, and also third rail goes to Germany. Well, some of third rail does. That works. A rail of the third rail. Yeah. Taylor had a pretty one rail. funny joke about that, but... The third rail. The third right. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck, you two, especially yes. as oh, things no, get, get closer to the end. Mental. No, no, this is just like me... Mm-hmm. Doing a superficial. Good luck. Yeah, I don't you, know either you know. of your names like that Ron Swanson bit. Yeah. It's like things are getting too chummy around here, Steve. <laughs> you know, uh, Lawrence needs another podcast that's architecturally based. Just saying. You should uh, take over the reins. So, mm. Got two more years to do it. We, we could sell the copyright. We've also had a lot of interest from faculty. We just haven't had the time to get them on, but. Had a few on. That's good. Treffrey's episode was fantastic. Uh, yeah, glad you really enjoyed it. that one. Yeah, he's a really intelligent guy. Shout out to all the other people that came on the show. You guys did a great job. Seriously, shouts out up to the expectation. Shouts <laughs> out. Uh, first time, long time, and should we send it out? Send it out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Third Rail. Follow us on Twitter at Third Rail Sounds, Facebook at Facebook.com/slash/ThirdRailSounds. Instagram at Third Rail Sounds and on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Third Rail Sounds. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Third Rail. Oh no.